July's Tangent Podcast. I'm Gemma. And I'm Emily. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about wedding superstitions because we thought it'd make a bit of a fun topic to look at in the run-up to my wedding, which we can now confirm is finally happening. And we're really sorry for any of the brides out there that I, you know, have had to deal with over the last year postponing or even cancelling their weddings or even having to change how their like ideal wedding would look because of COVID restrictions in the ongoing pandemic yeah it's been a mess it really has I feel very lucky that I've only had to postpone once yeah you're lucky like within days really weeks yeah. I suppose technically yeah because I was yeah mine's in a couple of weeks time so which means that was I was gonna say hours I don't know we were getting not hours <laughs> <laughs> very frightened for a second then I was like wait what <laughs> the weirdest marriage ever <laughs> this is my wife and that's her wife and then this is my husband these are our three dogs anyway have you ever wondered why we say couples are time they're not well in many cultures including celtic hindu and egyptian and even western culture the hands of the bride and groom are literally tied together to demonstrate the couple's commitment to each other and their new bond as a married couple, it also gets the honeymoon off to a kinky start. Get everyone's input and you're not tying. So when planning a wedding, there's lots of things to consider. Not least, and probably the first thing that you do, is the date. So June was a popular choice, as it was from the Roman goddess Juno, who was the goddess of marriage, funnily enough. However, you're not meant to marry in May, as marry in the month of May, and surely you'll rue the day. That's a very vague warning. <laughs> Is that just general marriage? Like you're just going to rue the day. Just don't do it. Don't get married. Or just specifically May. Yeah, is it just your anniversary each year is a bit terrible? It's just, yeah. it's not very specific. Is there a reason? Is it going to rain? Is the weather a bit dodgy? I mean, it's England. Mm. The chances are it's going to rain. Okay. Today we tend to think of weddings happening on weekends, but a rhyme from the Victorian era goes, marry on a Monday for health, a Tuesday for wealth, Wednesday the best day of all, Thursday for crosses, Friday for losses, and Saturday for no luck at all. What on earth does Thursday for crosses mean? I get that. I don't know. But that one confuses me. Yeah. Maybe it's a religious thing. I mean, it must Or you're going to argue a lot. One or t'other. You're gonna argue so maybe, much before the cross is out in the back garden. Maybe it, it kind of means death. Oh great, thank you. I'm like, getting married on a Thursday. But come on, I'm not I'm not saying it's gonna be your death. It really starts to matter as well. Should probably cross that out of my wedding card then. <laughs> so we've gone past picking the month that you're getting married in and then the day, even though we have no idea what the rhyme means. So then <clears> you've got your stag parties and your hendies. And as we all know, stag parties can get very messy. And we have the Spartan soldiers to thank for that one, or maybe blame for that tradition, as they would, quote, kiss their bachelor days goodbye with, with a ruckus party. I mean, hey. the that they were going to die was quite high, so, you know, I can understand that one. Yeah. Just kind of imagining a group of 
like Spartans, but kind of, you know, in the a modern image of one of them wearing a traffic cone on their head while they take their mate to a lamppost while he's wearing nothing. Sounds about right. It does. It's amazing how many potential brides don't want their other halves to have stag do's. Yeah. And also, when you've lived with your other half for a really long time, this idea that you're celebrating your last night of freedom seems kind of pointless because you've been living with someone for that long. Yeah, freedom's already gone. <laughs> My God, years ago. In Chinese wedding planning, in the lunar calendar, March, July and September are considered unlucky months to have weddings because there are three festivals in this time which are related to death. But really lucky months are leap months or ranyu, apologies if I pronounce that wrong, meaning harvest and abundance. The next two lucky months for weddings will happen in February 2023 and June 2025 in terms of the lunar calendar, which are March the 22nd to April the 19th, 2023, and July the 25th, August the 22nd, 2025 in the Gregorian calendar. Book your dates in there. The next kind of thing you think about when wedding planning is how you're going to get to venue, whether that be a church a registry office, a licensed venue. Churches were the traditional place to get married, the traditional wedding venues. But in 1836, the Marriage Act meant that you could get married in a registry office, which I think probably changed the game. It did, but still for a long while afterwards, churches were more popular. I think it's that tradition thing, isn't it? Like a lot of people um, want to get married in the same church they were baptised or christened in, or maybe the church they're parents uh where I didn't like, I have a friend who is the f- third or fourth generation of her family to get married in the same church yeah her parents her grand yeah so fourth generation to get married in the same church that's kind of which I, it's kind of nice yeah not for me no like I mean you everybody knows that I'm a church and I would get married in a church for the aesthetics of it mm-hmm. but you know just not invite religion yeah so you need a non-churchy church a non-churchy church luckily i know where to find those because i am in fact a non-churchy church nerd exactly i feel like i should have that on a t-shirt hello my name is Gemma. i am a non-churchy church nerd so you've decided on where you're getting married and you need to get to your wedding venue but on the way Superstition dictates that a bride should make sure not to see a nun or a monk, otherwise she will, quote, be cursed with a barren life dependent on charity. Does that mean she should avoid places where they hang out? Make that sound like they're going to be outside with a spoon smoking and drinking. Or does it just mean, like, somebody needs to walk ahead and if they see a monk or nun, she has to shut her eyes and put her hands over her eyes? Maybe. I wouldn't recommend walking anywhere blindfolded unless you have a helper. A competent helper. <laughs> That's why she said competent with a look at me. Like I feel like we'd be great at guiding the other one blindfolded. God. We're the kind of people that would make them walk into people just because it would be funny. We're the kind of people that would guide the blindfolded one perfectly but fall in the lake ourselves. There is that too. And then not be able to help because they're blindfolded. <laughs> It'd be like that scene in Ghosts where he's trying to dictate like trying to direct his head to where the rest of his body is. Yes. Also, if you've not watched Ghosts on BBC One, 
you're missing out because it's brilliant. fabulous. It is brilliant. Anyway, we have tangented. I think we can all agree that for most brides, the dress is probably the most important aspect of the day. And today we tend to think wedding dresses should be white. But this wasn't tradition until Queen Victoria wore a white dress when she married Prince Albert in 1840. Before then, there's a handy rhyme to help brides know what colour to wear. Married in yellow, ashamed of your fellow. Married in green, ashamed to be seen. Married in black, you will wish yourself back. However, married in white, you've chosen all right. Married in blue, you will always be true. Married in pink, of you he'll think. I mean, you'd kind of hope your husband will think of you. Yeah. Or wife, or whomever you're marrying. Your significant other. <laughs> Just married in green, ashamed to be seen. If I was wearing a green dress, I would probably be ashamed to be seen. Maybe that's why so many put, people put bridesmaids in green. Maybe. But also, why do we keep having handy rhymes for everything? <laughs> I don't know. See, I don't get the dress thing. Like, if you've ever watched Don't Tell the Bride, they always cry about the dress and then their family and friends start crying about the dress. And I don't get it. And I don't know if that's because I'm not a dress person. Like, when I get married, I will not be wearing a dress. So maybe that's why. Maybe. But I don't get all the tears around a dress you're going to wear once. Yeah, I didn't like cry when I got mine I definitely didn't get a dress that I thought I was gonna get like I had visions of this kind of like almost like fitted dress with like a trumpet thing so it like pulled on the floor and stuff and I tried one on and went not wearing this I feel too self-conscious like I'm people can see too much of me like I think it's the anxiety side of it because I'm like well you know people are already looking at me I don't then need to worry if I can wear underwear with my dress so instead I chose one that basically just makes people back off because there is too much of it so I can now be like no no no, you can't come with enough radius <laughs> of me because there is dress there I mean I think that's fair the perfect excuse I told my better half that I want to get married in, in a Star Wars t-shirt that did not go down well. I mean, you could wear it underneath whatever you're wearing. What's the fun in that? Because then when it gets to the end of the night, you can be like, <laughs> you'll get married. <laughs> I mean, I always feel like the wedding night is probably a perk of having to get married. So I don't want to go ruin that. Mm. I love my other half to bits. I mean, most of the time. Sometimes she does weird things and I do question my life choices. But... I want to be married. I just don't want a wedding. Like, it's not me. You don't want the hassle. Well, I just, yeah, I, I, I don't want to have to talk to people. I don't want people looking at me. So what I'm hearing is just elope. Th this is the plan, but it seems like a lot of effort. <laughs> I mean, it costs a lot of money still. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Anyway, back to wedding dresses. <laughs> Since we got off topic. Did you know that if you find a spider on your wedding dress, it's a good omen? See, all I see is some poor woman trying to get out of a really complicated dress because there's a spider crawling up the inside of it. I think I just love the spider. Unless it's in my hair, that's when I'd panic. Yeah. Spiders don't really bother me. Stuff gets tangled in my hair, with it being curly. 
I don't want something in my hair that might get stuck. This is fair. Although don't most wedding dresses kind of come in that protective doodah? You mean like the, the not a suit bag, but basically the same thing. A garment yeah, protective bag. doodah. A garment bag. A protective doodah. But for people that don't understand what you're saying, I need to translate. So a lot of brides uh, wear veils and supposedly this means good luck is coming their way as, quote, the veil hides the face of the bride protecting her from evil spirits. However, part of an ancient wedding ritual was the groom lifting the veil from the bride's face, which symbolised him taking possession of his wife. And I'm not having any of that nonsense. Me neither. I just hope that my resting face will be able to scare off the evil spirits. Also, if I had a veil and lifted it up and I was marrying a man, I'd be very confused. Well, Damn it, Emily, very... I told you the directions were wrong. <laughs> I know the complete wrong way, they My me and my Star Wars shirt and my veil. My Wonder Woman trainers, my jeans, a Star Wars t-shirt and just a veil, like a proper bridal veil. Oh, I thought you were going to go with like a, a veil that has like an R2-D2 and C-3PO, like kind of like the fun ones. Or, or one of like Padme's handmaiden veil type looks. Yes. My, my other half is a lucky woman. <laughs> anyway. I don't know what you're laughing at. You're going to be dressed the same, including the veil. No veil. That's just a trick hazard waiting to happen. Yeah. Also flat shoes all the way. Anyway, we've, 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 I don't even know what we've done, but it's not right. So along with the dress, the veil, if you're planning on wearing gloves for your wedding day or part of your wedding day, in Greek culture, it's believed that putting a sugar cube inside your glove will sweeten your union. Although I personally think that's just going to give you sticky hands, especially if you start getting anxious sweats. Yeah. In Swedish culture, a bride puts a silver coin from her father and a golden coin from her mother in each of her shoes to ensure she'll never do without. I quite like that idea. I also love that the mother's coin is gold, mm -hmm. which is traditionally more yeah. than the father's. One of my favourite discoveries whilst reading for this podcast was that in Denmark, brides and grooms traditionally cross-dressed to confuse evil spirits. Can, can you imagine just how confused your wedding guests would get if Jodie comes out in your dress and you're in a tux? I mean, we're the same size, so at least not, <laughs> it wouldn't be, like, awkward. Ah, it'd be a look, though. It really would. I feel like when you choose the face for pap on your wedding pictures, just to see what that would look like. So if you listen to our church law podcast, you'll know I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to church bells. In Irish weddings, the church bells are rung to, quote, keep evil spirits away and to ensure a harmonious family life. Some brides even have small bells in their bouquets as a reminder of their sacred wedding vows. I don't know how, other than it rhymes, how do wedding bells remind you to be faithful and obey your husband? I don't know. Today, most people within the couple will both wear a wedding ring. But in the Victorian era, it wasn't traditional for men to wear wedding rings. And speaking of wedding rings, they are worn on the fourth finger of the left hand because there was originally a thought that the vein in that finger called the vena amoris, which in Latin means vein of love, was directly connected to the heart. But Unfortunately, modern medicine has proven that that doesn't exist, and I'm kind of mad. 
next. Like, just so us, it's ruining all our fun. Just let us have it. Fun fact, one of history's earliest engagement rings, or probably earliest recorded engagement rings, was given to Princess Mary, daughter of Henry VIII, when she was just two years old. I'm sure every two-year-old appreciates an engagement ring. Mm, of course. Not a teething ring, an engagement ring. But was it, like, two-year-old size, do you think? Or was it... Probably not. Cute, like, adult size? For Probably adult size. I would have she thought. grew into it. Yeah. I would imagine it was adult size ready for when they were old enough to actually get married. Or just adjustable. I don't anyway. Know. Did they make adjustable rings at that point? I don't know. I'm old, but I'm not that old. I, just, I thought you might know. Just random fact. No. Church bells I know about. Wedding rings, <laughs> not so much. Because that's the kind of nerd I am. Anyway, so in folklore, if the wedding ring or rings are dropped during the ceremony, then whomever drops them is the next to die. I will remind people that. A bit awkward. I mean, it probably stops a lot of accidents. Moving on from that very morbid fact or superstition. Along with rings being important, another important thing is the wedding cake. And the tradition of the wedding cake comes from ancient Rome, where revelers broke a loaf of bread over a bride's head for fertility. And in the West, if you're having a fruit cake as your wedding cake, you're meant to give your unmarried friends a slice to take home with them, because tradition states that placing a slice of wedding cake under the pillow will enable a single woman to dream of the man that she hopes to marry. And fun fact, the fruit and nuts within that cake symbolise fertility as well. But typical at Norwegian weddings to serve a towering special occasion cake called Kraken's Caker and it's made made with iced almond cake rings to form a cone shape and a wine bottle is often placed in the hollow centre of it. Wait so you get coke and wine and a better tasting cake? I mean win-win. Fruitcake is awful. Does anybody actually like fruitcake anymore? And marzipan? No. Actually, my granddad used to love marzipan. Who is putting cake underneath their pillow? That pillow is just not going to be usable by the morning. It just sounds like a recipe for ants. Mm, yeah. We just wake up with it just a plastic to your face. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to attract your future husband until it gets stuck to your face. I mean, you're going to attract a particular kind of man. <laughs> the kind that likes <laughs> fruit cake. Anyway. So as a future wedding guest, one of the hardest parts for me is knowing what to get for the happy couple. However, now I know not to buy them a nice set of knives because, quote, a knife signifies a broken relationship and is bad luck to give as a wedding gift. Luckily, though, if you do receive knives as a gift, there is a workaround as all you need to do is give the person who gave them to you a penny. Then they are a purchase, not a gift. But I like knives. See, this is my issue. I would see. I would buy you knives, but I also don't want to be an accomplice if you snap. Mm-hmm. True, this is true. Because I feel like you'd buy me nice sharp knives. Yeah, it's a morally grey area. It's a legal like grey area. Mm, it's true. Yeah. So another traditional gift was a wooden spoon given to the bride, as it was considered the most useful to assist the new bride in the kitchen and disciplining her children. If she was anything like my mother, I was going to say who. Who is she going to hit with the spoon? That's yeah. exactly what it's going to be used for. 
And this one's particularly relevant to me because both of my younger sisters are now engaged. There's an old wives tale which says, quote, if the younger of two sisters marries first, the older sister must dance barefoot at the wedding or risk never landing a husband. I feel like I get away with that one because I do not want a husband. I will not dance unless I am so drunk my alcohol, my bloodstream is just alcohol. I mean, it seems Maybe a good way of warding away the men. Right? I mean, nobody needs to see me dance, whether I'm sober or drunk. <laughs> it's not good because for some reason I cannot dance with my mouth shut. Also, I know like one dance and that's the dance to steps the steps hit five six seven eight I mean, it's nobody needs to see that to every song that's a brilliant dancer right nobody needs that while the first dance is going on it depends if the first dance is five six seven eight i'm gonna be really sad if neither of my sisters have that as a first dance you should let them know speaking of dancing it's a cuban custom that every man who dances with the bride must pin money to her dress to help the couple pay for their wedding and their honeymoon i mean basically making them pay to have the privilege of dancing with the bride seems fair to me and in ireland when the bride and groom are dancing the bride must keep at least one foot on the floor at all times because folklore states that if she doesn't evil fairies will come and sweep her away what kind of dancing requires you to take your feet off the ground? My feet stay where they are, and then I just move my arms and I think my mouth. Means, for some I reason. think it means if like the man like picks them up. Ah, uh, okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. So no dirty dancing then. No dirty dancing, unless one foot is on the floor. I mean, I assume that, like even if like your toe is touching the floor, so like there's some leeway. At least one part of your foot is touching the floor. Seems a loophole. So after the wedding. And once the hangover from the reception has passed, the bride and groom need to go home. And we've all heard the superstition of the groom carrying his new bride over the threshold. And this actually comes from medieval Europe, where it was believed that a bride was extra vulnerable to evil spirits through the soles of her feet. So in order to avoid bringing evil spirits into the new home, the groom carried the bride over the threshold. And the Tudors believed it was good luck to throw shoes at the newly married couple. I'm not really sure about that. Also, is this, why, is this why people tie shoes to the back of their cars? Like some people tie cans and some people tie shoes. Yeah. So you mean I've got to take my throwing shoes back? Yes. Damn it. They're cool. Also, I feel like Tudor shoes were less sturdy than the <laughs> shoes we have today. Well, I was just going to get some Primark trainers. I wasn't going to be throwing Doc Martens. I've got that kind of money. If you're going to be throwing shoes at me, they better be expensive. <laughs> and my size. Basically, what I have learned is that we in the West like a good rhyme and make them quite vague as to what they mean. I've learned that I should be a wedding planner because I have some excellent ideas. <laughs> sure sure i mean you know wedding planner by day divorce attorney by night i'd be making a fortune you could just have like two offices and be like okay welcome let me plan your wedding see me on the way out for the divorce proceedings you could just make a whole advert out of it i mean these are just some of the superstitions we came across if you have any others then we'd love to hear about them either on social media or in the com comments of the podcast because i'm sure there are others I want to hear the funniest ones, like mm. the most outlandish ones. 
you know, has your family got a tradition that isn't like a universal tradition? It's just something your family does. Because some people have those kind of things. Right. So there's lots more to come in July, including White After Dark on Grave Robbers, the bonus Black Widow powwow, and two bonus Patreon podcasts on the Warrens and female pirates. But there won't be any content in August as we are taking the month off. But we will be on social media with lots of fun activities that we have planned if we can do them depending on what happens with COVID. Let's be honest, it could anything could happen at this point. Yeah, this is true. Do you know, we like to end our tangents with quotes. And today I chose one by Mayor Angelou. Quote, love recognises no barriers. It jumps hurdles, leaps fences, penetrates walls to arrive at its destination full of hope. So as always, take care of yourselves and each other. Mm-hmm.